Want more of the Josh Scanlon podcast? Please. Please. Here you go. The Josh Scanlon podcast starts right now. Welcome to another edition of the Josh Scanlon podcast, my friends. This morning, we're going to talk about borrowing from your 401k or 403 account that you have. This is a very, very, what's the word I'm looking for? Sacrosanct discussion because everybody in the financial planning industry will say, no, don't borrow against your 401k. That money's for retirement. I'm just, you just type on Google, borrow from your 401k and people are going to call you basically stupid uh, if you even consider it. And here's why I'm going to share with you some heretical advice. It's okay. It's okay. In fact, you should borrow from your 401k in order to pay down credit card debt, for instance, or any kind of debt, but generally speaking, credit card debt. And in my book, uh, Strategic Money Money Planning, Eight Ways to Get Your Financial House in Order, I actually modeled this down uh, using some good old-fashioned Google Sheets, uh, Excel spreadsheets and whatnot, where I show you why it's not only okay, it's actually beneficial relative to to not borrow against your 401k. And the reason for that is simple. A lot of people miss the fact that when you borrow from your 401k, you're paying yourself back with interest. Now the interest uh, you know, might, let's say is four and a half percent, but that's still interest that goes into your account. It doesn't go to the bank, it goes to you. Now people say, yeah, but you can get 6% on the stock market or whatever it is, or 7%. Well, that's true. So the money that is out of the market, you can, is not getting that six or 7%. I get that. You are getting four and a half. So you're sacrificing the potential for the stock market for a guaranteed of the interest rate that you're paying to yourself um, for your, for your loan. A couple of things to consider there, which for some reason always get overlooked. And there's, there's a bunch of ways to look at this, but we'll just start with this. The markets are not guaranteed to go up. They're just not. The markets go down about 40% of the time. So if you if you look historically at the stock market, and that's by the S&P 500 I'm using, some might use a Dow. The S&P 500 is basically the proxy for the stock market. Uh, for every 10 years, four of the years, they have negative years. Six of the years, they have positive years. All right. I mean, uh, days. Four of the, for every 10 days, four of the days are negative. Six of the days are positive. So the positive days outnumber the negative days, and that just compounds itself. All right. So each day is a you know is a sixty percent chance based on history that you'll make money. Each day there's a forty percent chance that you lose money. All right. Over the course of five years, there's about a fifteen to twenty percent likelihood of you losing money, and about an eighty percent likelihood of you making money. So if you're able to keep your your money in the market for about five years or so. You know, it's roughly a four to one chance that you'll make money. That that's just factual. No, there's no getting around that. But <laughs> the investments that you have, while there's an eighty percent chance you might make money, and, and don't quote me on that. I'm just remembering off the top of my head. It might be seventy percent. Whatever. It's just at the end of the day, if you hold the money for more than five for five years, you're probably going to make money. That's just a fact. Not all the time, but probably. However, it's not probable that you're going to lose money in the credit card. If you hold it for 10 to five years, you will pay money. And that means you will lose money because you're paying interest, not to yourself, but to the bank. If you hold your credit card for a year, 
you're going to pay money. Thus, you're going to lose money. If you hold your credit card for a day, you are going to lose money. It's just that simple. So you're weighing two things. You're weighing the, the likelihood of the markets going up versus the guarantee of your credit card costing you money first and foremost. And on a 401k loan, it is only five years. You basically, you cannot pay. <clears throat> you don't have a 10 year. You don't have a 15 year. You have a five year loan. So you got to weigh the time frame of borrowing from your 401k versus um, having your money in the stock market. And the time frame of a five years max, there is still a decent chance you're going to lose money after those five years in your 401k, where we know for a fact, we know for a fact that credit card will cost you money. That's just a fact. So we have that point one, the likelihood of making money in the stock market versus the likelihood of losing money in the credit card it, you know, in that instance, it goes to the credit card. You will, there's more, it's not more, it's guaranteed that you will lose money in the credit card. All right, point two. This one gets overlooked a lot too. So the interest goes to you, all right, as you're paying off that credit card. That's, that is not debatable. It doesn't go to the bank. It goes to you. So again, if your four and a half percent is a loan, that four and a half percent is going to you. But here's the deal. Not only does the interest go to you, the growth on the money goes to you as you add payments each and every month. And so what I do in my books, I analyze a guy and let me just break it out here. And obviously you can't see this, but he's, he has a $10,000 credit card that costs him 10% a year. All right. So inherently we know for a fact that the credit card is going to cost him more than what he could pop, probably get in the markets anyway. So in this case, it's a slam dunk. You borrow at four and a half percent that you're paying yourself in order to pay off a 10% credit card that you're paying to the bank. That's, that's a no brainer. Now, again, the argument would be, well, Josh, the money he's taken out of the 401k doesn't get to six and 7%. We expect the markets to return. Well, that's true. It's only getting four and a half percent. So there's a difference there. Of, let's just say six that does that he could get in the market versus four and a half that he's actually getting from paying himself the interest. So that's a little bit of a difference. But what gets overlooked here is every month this guy makes a payment. Every month this guy makes a payment. That payment is going not only at four and a half percent, but at that six or seven percent rate of return that he expects to get in the market, too. It's just simply what we call dollar cost averaging. So in the example I use, I have a guy who has $10,000 in credit card debt at 10%. He has $50,000 in his 401k in which he expects to get a 6% rate of return. All right, so $10,000 credit card, 50,000 401k. He has two options. One, to borrow from his 401k. He'll get 4.5% as the interest. He has to pay it back over five years. That means it'll cost him $188 a month over five years. All right, so every month, he has to pay $188 a month. All right, so now if he doesn't borrow against his 401k, he's going to use that $188 a month to put against the credit card. He'll just pay the credit card $188 a month because we want to compare apples to apples. So $188 a month is going to one or two places, either into his 401k or paying the credit card directly or into his 401k via a loan. All right, so he has a $10,000 credit card He's going to use $188 to pay the loan back through the 401k loan or to pay the credit card directly. Again, the credit card is at 10% interest. The 401k, the interest to himself is four and a half. So what people get lost on is that $188 a month he's paying back to himself is growing at that 6% as well. So every time he makes a payment, it's growing at that 6% as well. And so what I did is I modeled it. I said, what does the account balance look like after five years? 
Well, the funny thing is the account bounced without the loan, without the loan, just paying the $10,000 or paying the $188 a month to the credit card. The account is worth $66,911 because he started with $50,000. He didn't add anything to it. He just let it grow, accumulate that 6% compounding. Because remember, that $188 a month had to go to the pay the credit card because he has a credit card regardless. So he's not adding anything to it, but he didn't take anything from the 401k either. So $50,000 is what he started with. And after five years, that 6% interest, it grew to $66,911. On the other hand, he did take $10,000 out of his 401k. So now he's starting with only $40,000, all right? So he added, you know, we're reducing the amount that he has in his 401k from year one from 50 to 40 because he borrowed the $10,000. But he used that directly to pay off the credit card, all right? So now he has no credit card debt, and instead he can use that $188 to pay himself back this 401k loan. Well, lo and behold, after five years, he actually has more money in the 401k. He's got $67,070 in there because $188 he's paying a month to himself is growing not only at the 4.5% interest, but it's growing also at the 6% a year rate of return that he expects to get in the markets. Now, the question that might be asked is how do we factor this $108 a month payment? And it's simple. When you borrow from your 401k, you have a five-year amortization. And that simply means the, the bank or you know, the 401k provider says, okay, you have 60 months to pay this guy off at 4.5% at $10,000 immediate loan. $10,000 at 4.5% pay that back over 60 months with a 0% balance at the end of 60 months is $188 a month. $188. Thus, that's where we get the $188 in case you're wondering, because I probably should have said that at the beginning. So that's why we have $108 a month going to either paying off his credit card directly and leaving his 401k alone of just not touched or borrowing against his 401k and paying the 401k loan off at $188 a month clip. And I'm just telling you right now, the non not borrowing against your 401k, he has a net, it's basically roughly the same. It's basically $67,000 on each side. But, you know, I mean, that's so that's a break even there. It's actually a little bit beneficial to with a 401k loan because he did have $159, $159 left more from the 401k loan than he had from the uh, from not borrowing it. So let's just say it's a wash. It's not that much. I mean, anything can happen. So let's just say that they net the same. So the $50,000 grew to $67,000. The 401k loan had net started with $40,000 because he had to take $10,000 out. And that grew to $67,000 after paying off the loan and paying himself back. But here's a kicker. Don't forget, the credit card still had to be paid from the guy who did not borrow against the 401k. So remember, he's only paying $188 a month to the credit card, which is basically $2,200 a year. All right, $188 a month to the credit card. That did not pay the thing off after five years. He still had a credit card balance of $1,772. All right, my friends. So at the end of the day, the credit card, he still owed almost $2,000 on it because the interest was so doggone high. And even on the account, the investment account, the 401k, it was a wash. He had $67,000 in there, but so didn't the guy who borrowed against his 401k has $67,000, but he had no credit card debt. After five years, the guy who did not borrow against his 401k had the exact same amount of, of account value as the guy who did, but he still had almost $2,000 in credit card debt. Sign, sealed, deliver. That is a big deal that for some reason people overlook all the time. 
Now, everyone always says, yeah, but Josh, what if you put more than that in the, in the 401k? Well, or, I mean, but it doesn't matter. We have to compare apples to apples. He has a $10,000 credit card. What's the best way to pay off that credit card? Is it to pay directly to the bank at a clip that would be the equivalent of what he could use to borrow what he'd have to pay back if he borrowed against his 401k? And the answer is it would not be beneficial to do that. He'd be worse off from not borrowing against his 401k. That's a fact, my friends. How many people say that? That's what drives me crazy. And it drove me. And I was like this for the longest time, too. I said, no, don't borrow against your 401k. No, no. And then I did it myself. I borrowed against my 401k. I said, huh, I'm borrowing against my 401k. Where does that money actually end up going? Well, I had a $100 401k loan fee. Other than that, it went all back to me. It did. And you can quickly figure this out. What is your monthly payment? Your monthly payment in this case is $188 a month. Where does that $188 a month go? It goes into your account. It does not go anyplace else. Thus, you are literally paying yourself back. Now, if you didn't have the loan on the four, on the credit card, well, we we arguing two different things because now you're just paying yourself back at 4.5% and your 401k balance is growing at 6%. But the issue is you do have that credit card. And that's what I'm trying to say. It's okay to borrow against your 401k in order to pay off debt and particularly higher debt. Now, I'd even even go so far as to say at the end of the day, let's say you got 3.99% on a uh, car, uh, your barn against a car. In that case, is it better to pay off your 401k? Well, probably still because at 3.99% versus 4.5% you're paying to your bank, you're still going to be better off, but and I haven't modeled this, but roughly the same, because what's going to happen is you'll have, again, no debt at the end of the term of your 401k loan versus some debt at the end of the term of the of the other loan. I mean, it's just, it's just that simple. You have the same amount of money in your 401k, but you'll have no debt if you borrow against your 401k to pay that loan off. Because remember, when you're borrowing against your 401k, they give you a lump sum of money, which you can do whatever you want with. Now, hopefully you do pay off that debt as opposed to going to you know party with it. But you can do whatever you want with that money. It comes out tax free. You pay no income tax on it. The third argument is going about tax and people say, oh, well, you're putting after tax money back in in order to pay the tax on it when you take a distribution out of retirement. So let me explain this a little bit because this actually bothers me, too. So basically with a 401k, you're adding money to it tax free. So what, what that means is you don't pay income tax on the payment that you get that you put into the 401k. So for simplicity, if you make $100,000 a year and you contribute to a 401k at $10,000 a year, that year you pay tax not on the $100,000, you pay tax on the $90,000. It's like a deduction. Make sense? So $100,000, you put $10,000 in your 401k, you fill out your tax you pay income tax on 90,000, not a hundred thousand. And so what the 401k, um, the, the, the opponents of barn against your 401k will say, well, the money that you're putting back into that 401k, when you borrow it, you do not get the tax deduction. You don't. So if you had a hundred thousand dollars of income and you borrow $10,000 against your 401k and it, let's just say for simplicity, it costs $10,000 a year, uh, to pay that back, you're still paying tax on 100,000 bucks. Your taxes are 100,000 dollars, so that 10,000 you're recontributing to your 401k is not tax deferred. <laughs> well, no kidding, because the money that comes out when you borrow from your 401k is tax free. You don't pay income tax on that money either. So, I mean, you, you can't get a deduction on money you didn't pay tax on. 
And so when you get the $100,000 of income, you take a $10,000 loan, you don't have $110,000 of taxable income, which I don't understand why everyone overlooks this. You have $100,000. So again, let me, let me just be very clear. I make $100,000 a year. I borrow $10,000 against my 401k and I can do whatever I want with that. I literally took $10,000 out of my tax deferred account. When I go file my taxes, what am I paying tax on? Uh, am I paying taxes on $110,000 because I took a $10,000 distribution from a tax deferred account? No, I'm paying tax on my income, a hundred thousand bucks. That $10,000 loan came back to me tax-free, completely tax-free. Oh, but Josh, the, the $188 a month you got to put back into the account is tax is not tax deferred. You got that's after tax money. Like, yes, that's a wash. I took the money out tax-free. I put the money back in after tax. That only makes sense. I, people get wrapped up on that. It's weird. Actually. I don't, I don't understand it. Comes out tax free. I could literally do whatever I want with that money that comes out of my 401k. I mean, I literally could go buy a boat. I could pay off debt. I could do whatever I want. And it's all tax free. Now I do have to pay the loan back with after tax money. That's a fact. I will not argue that, but it's a wash. Now, what happens if I leave my job before the five years or before the loan's paid off? Well, that's a different scenario because now you're going to pay tax on the remaining balance from your 401k loan. So if you borrow $10,000 from your 401k, and you're only able to pay $7,500 back. And then you got, you know, you quit your job for some reason with a balance out there, still 2,500 bucks. That $2,500 will be taxed to you as ordinary income. And if you're under 59 and a half, it'll be a 10% penalty too, because it is a premature distribution. And, you know, that's, a, that's something to consider for sure. You will pay tax as ordinary income and you will pay a penalty for a premature distribution if you're under the age of 59 and a half. I, yeah, I'm not arguing with that. That's the, that's the rules. That's the lay of the land for borrowing against a 401k. At the end of the day, though, this is why I'm proposing that if you have loans, debt, not to borrow against your 401k to go party. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying borrow against your 401k to pay off debt, in particular credit card debt. But I would not kill you if you said, oh, I'm paying off my 3.99% uh, student loan. I'm, I'm completely fine with that. As I say in my book, debt is the enemy. Debt is the chain that binds you to your current lot in life. I'm just telling you. So any way you can get rid of debt in a more in a feasible way. Again, I'm just it's got to be a feasible way is, is the way to go. Now, I do hear on occasion, well, can I use the same thought process against my IRA? And the answer is absolutely not. Absolutely not. Because first and foremost, the IRA, when you take a distribution out, you are paying ordinary income tax on that distribution. So if you took that $10,000 of an IRA, as opposed to borrowing against it from a 401k loan, now you have that $10,000 on top of your $100,000 of income. So now you're paying tax on 110,000 bucks. All right. Secondly, if you're under the age of 59 and a half, you're paying that 10% penalty on top of the tax that you paid. So let me give you an example that $10,000 at 25% tax rate is literally going to cost you $13,333. Uh, you have to take a distribution of $13,333 to take to net 10,000 bucks in order to pay a $10,000 credit card. I know it's kind of hard to follow that on the radio, but remember I need 10,000 bucks to pay off a credit card. I go to my 401k. I said, I need 10,000 bucks. Uh, I mean, my IRA, I said, I need 10,000 bucks. They said, that's great. We're going to withhold 25% tax because that's your tax bracket. So for me to net $10,000, I have to take a distribution of 13,333. All right. And so now I'm already down $3,333. So that doesn't make any sense. 
But even worse is on top of that, I had to pay 10% penalty on top of that if I'm under the age of 59 and a half. So here from taking out a 401, an IRA, because I can't take a loan, I got to take a lump sum distribution. I actually got a net, I got a gross $15,000 of an IRA distribution in order to pay off a $10,000 credit card. And so that, that doesn't make any sense. Don't do that. So at the end of the day, I do not, I'm not a proponent of using a distribution because remember, you can't borrow against your IRA. It's only a lump sum distribution that's fully taxed to you as ordinary income. Now, if you had a Roth IRA and you've had it for over five years, that's a different scenario because a Roth IRA will come back to you. Principal comes back to you without any taxation, without any penalty, regardless of your age. <clears throat> so if you have principal in there of $10,000, the amount that you contributed and you've had it over five years, uh, you can take the print. You can take the principal out for any reason whatsoever. But if you had it, you can, if you have essentially, if you have over five years, that is kind of the rule of thumb to make sure you're safe from a penalty perspective on your Roth IRA, but you can take the principal out. And that's a fact. So you can, again, you're not borrowing it. You're taking a lump sum distribution. So if you have a Roth IRA with principal um, and you've had the account open for more than five years, you can take that out, pay off your credit card debt and you're good to go. If you're under 59 and a half and you hadn't had it open for five years, there's a 10% penalty on, uh, on taking gains out for sure. So it's not tax free. If you're under 59 and a half, you can't take the tax. You're just not going to get it tax free. You won't. So again, for a Roth IRA, if you're under 59 and a half, it's not favorable no matter what. You have access to your principal. And I just, I'm not a big fan of taking a lump sum distribution from an IRA. But generally speaking, if I have it in a Roth and I have access to my principal and it's going to be tax free, I'd make the argument that makes sense for sure. Because remember, at the end of the day, I'm not going to get 10% annually on my stock market returns. I mean, I could on any given year, but for the short term, the markets don't give you 10% each and every year linear. It gives you 6%, 18%, negative 20%, and so on and so on. And so because of that, it's a short-term investment. Short-term investments, you should look at paying off debt. That's all there is to it. All right, so let me wrap that up. Again, this is chapter, uh, what chapter is this? Chapter five, I think from my books, uh, strategic, strategic money planning, eight ways to get your financial house in order um, that you should pay off your 401k, uh, a credit card loan by borrowing against your 401k ASAP without question. Two, do not take a distribution from a traditional IRA, a tax deferred IRA. You'll get hammered tax wise. It's just not worth it. If you're under 59 and a half, it's absolutely not worth it. Three, Roth IRAs, maybe, maybe Roth IRAs, maybe Roth IRAs, but I'll have to let you look at that for your certain circumstance. Um, yeah, but generally speaking, I'm okay with paying off debt as long as it doesn't make you face the tax right man wrath because the taxes can really, really eat you alive when it comes to netting how much you need to pay off debt. Hope this helps, guys. As always, don't forget to go to the, uh, to the Heritage Wealth Planning website, YouTube channel, all kinds of content there. And if you have any questions, comments, and concern, uh, just tell me. There's a link on here. You can actually uh, call in questions, as a matter of fact. I'd love to hear your call in questions on this episode, too, because uh, the more questions I have to answer, the funner this is. But we'll see you next time on the Heritage Wealth Planning uh, website and the Josh Scanlon podcast. Thanks, guys.